Well, good morning. You guys have a good week? A little bit? Good weekend? But no? Everybody's still awake. Uh, asleep. Something. <laughs> it was it was too much of a beautiful day to not go somewhere or, or do something, right? It's like, gotta get out there. Gotta party hardy. Get some pumpkin spice. Or some Christmas stuff, apparently, right? Yeah. Either way, walk into Costco and you start twitching, you know, see all the Christmas trees. Like, what is going on? Like, commerce, that's what's going on. <laughs> um, you know, it is always a, a great opportunity to study the Word of God, to look at uh, the history. I, I've ever since coming to Christ I've always really connected with that part I've always wanted to be a history teacher and I get to be one how cool is that right you know we can look at the history the promises uh, the character of our good and gracious God that has come to redeem us that Jesus offered his body once and for all and that those that receive him are sanctified by his blood they are set apart. They are redeemed. I love how John states it like this in the beginning of his gospel. He says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Yet he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. I'm glad it doesn't stop right there, right? It doesn't stop it. It goes on. It says, but all who did receive him, right? They're, they're opposed to each other. They're um, counterintuitive, right, to each other. But all that did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. How cool is that, right? An amazing hope that the Messiah came, firstly, to do this, to give light to everyone, that through him the families of the earth will be blessed. And that goes all the way back to the first promise about the offspring in the garden, but it also goes to the promise of Abraham. Abraham was blessed. Abraham was set apart. He became the first Hebrew, right? That's how he made coffee. He brewed it, you know? Everyone else just ate the beans before that, you know? No? Come on. It was good. No? Okay, it wasn't. Fail. You know? In that promise to Abraham, he says, And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed, pointing to the Messiah. And then he came for this, to secondly, to be received. For he alone is our kinsman that came. He took upon flesh, he fulfilled the law, and he took the wrath of God in order that those who receive him, who believed in his name, are born from above. That is good news, right? That is gospel. As we have seen in the book of Ruth, we've seen that God is mindful of the poor estate of Ruth and Naomi. I think even in the time of the book of Judges, right? You go and read Judges. Who's read Judges lately? Anybody? Who's watched a Mel Gibson movie? Anybody? Right? You know, this action-packed horror, drama, everything. 
I think it's kind of interesting, this just came to mind, is that you know, Gideon's down in this wine cellar threshing wheat, right? God comes to him, the angel of the Lord comes to him and speaks to him as he's hiding, juxtaposed to who is threshing wheat in this chapter, in chapter 3, Boaz. He's doing it out in the open. He's following the law. He's following God. He's trusting the Lord. It's interesting. They're different time periods of the book of Judges. But it just, you know, it's interesting that Gideon is like hiding and, and Boaz is doing his work out in the open. But that God is working that even in this dark period of time during the Judges, he is working to bring about his plan of redemption to humanity. Today, as we end Ruth chapter 3, we'll see how Boaz reacts to Ruth's request that we looked at last week. Well, let's uh, open in a word of prayer. Well, Father God, we thank you that no matter what time of the year it is, we can look at the amazing truth of your promises through your word from Genesis to Isaiah to any time and we can celebrate the fact that you have worked in these dark times to bring about redemption you have called out Abraham you have promised all of these things you have given us the grid so to say as to look at and to see that Jesus fits all the qualifications of Messiah and that he came to bear the wrath to bear the sins of the world and that those that receive him are given this right to be born from above. Thank you for that amazing grace, that amazing mercy, that amazing salvation. Father, thank you for this time, this opportunity to fellowship, to talk about life, to talk about just your amazing words of grace upon the cross to humanity. Father, be with us in this time as we study your word. Help us just not to just know it, but also apply it to life as we aim to please you throughout the rest of it. Whatever number of days we have, Lord, whatever circumstances we're going through, that we would aim to please you, Jesus. Thank you for today. Thank you for this time. Uh, help us just concentrate on this, to not be anxious about other things or fearful of the week to come to just be mindful of you and to study your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Ruth. Ruth chapter 3. And we'll be in uh, verses 10. 10 through 13. <coughs> well, the text tells us this. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight 
and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lay down until morning. As we saw last week, Ruth had placed herself before Boaz to be redeemed so that Naomi and herself would be lifted out of their poor estate. As we have seen in our study of Ruth, we saw that this was to keep households that were within clans and clans that were within Israel out of slavery, out of debt, and to keep the land within the tribe. Uh, If you want to read about that whole law, Leviticus 25 uh, goes into a lot of detail of that. It's actually a really interesting read. Ruth asks Boaz to spread his wings over her, that she would be able to shelter under him. I love this because Boaz responds, you know, that he is he is blessed by this kindness. Ruth didn't run to some young man, rich or poor. No, Ruth saw that Boaz was a worthy man, a man of character. A man that, though the rest of the nation was doing what was right in their own eyes, Boaz held to the law. Boaz blessed those that were around him with what he had been blessed with. And he had known what he came to know what happened to Naomi and Ruth and was about helping them. Boaz ensured, ensures Ruth that he will see about redeeming her. He tells her not to fear because he knows just like the townsmen around him know that she is a worthy woman. See, I like this because it kind of points back to even chapter 2 that Boaz had not just heard about her determination. He had literally seen it, right? He had seen it that she had not just clung to her mother-in-law, but she had clung to the Lord. She had left her own people and and become a sojourner in Israel. Boaz tells Ruth that the statement is true. He is, in fact, a redeemer. But there is a closer redeemer. One commentary pointed this out is that you could see that Boaz was thinking about it, but he didn't approach her because he didn't want, oh, no, I'm going to go with him. He didn't want to be shut down. He was just like, I'm going to wait, right? (laughs) I'm going to wait for, see what happens. I think that's a man of great patience right there, too. <laughs> Boaz tells Ruth to remain on the threshing floor to leave in the morning and that he will approach this closer redeemer in the clan and see if he lays claim. And it is good if he does this. Especially, you know, we look at this, we look at Ruth as a love story, and it really, you, know, you can see it through the text that Boaz notices her, right? Boaz sees that she is a worthy woman. But even a a man of character right here is like, I'll do the right thing. Right? He's still going to do the right thing. He's going to see which way which way it goes. Boaz swears this. He'll, He'll approach the other redeemer in the clan and see if he wants to, but then he promises this, that if he does not, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Boaz swears this, right? He oaths it to Ruth. 
that he has seen her estate and that he will help her and be about what the Lord has set before him. You know, it just points to Christ, right? Christ Jesus comes to redeem. Christ Jesus comes to fulfill the law of Moses in its entirety. The Lord states it like this in Matthew. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Then Paul states in Romans, he says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Right? It's that receiving part. It's that accepting Christ. And then I love in Romans 13.8, this is a really cool verse. He says, therefore our calling is love, or to love one another. And those who love one another fulfill the law. It's like back to square one, back to garden rules, right? There's only one rule. Don't eat that, right? Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> and then, hey, love everyone. That's the one rule. Because in our kinsman who has come for us, we rest in the finished work upon the cross. And we are new creations called to be workmanships of the Lord above, to walk in love and good deeds that have been laid out before us for the glory of God and for our own joy. Galatians states it like this, that the law was, in fact, our guardian until Christ came. It's that guardian that tells us, proves to us that we were unable. There is no work, there's no special knowledge, no ism, no, it's by faith we are justified. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 25 through 32. Paul states this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. I love this as Paul is teaching to the church in Ephesus. He tells them that husbands are to love their wives. Like Christ loved the church. See, these, these gathered saints, these people who receive him, these ones that are set apart, that Christ gave himself up for his bride to this end, to sanctify her, to cleanse her, to wash her, and with great joy to present those redeemed to the Father in heaven, as Jude talks about. This is Christ seeing this state, 
the broken estate of humanity and giving himself, taking upon flesh, and fulfilling the law and paying our debt. With his own body, he did these things. He becomes, he, he becomes our kinsman so that he would redeem us, not just to show us the way, right? John Pyre, do these things, pray this. No, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? It's about believing and receiving Jesus, coming under Christ so sinners can be made new. For in the Messiah we have union with God, for we are justified by His blood. And then we have communion with the Lord Almighty. We are sanctified by the blood. We are able to approach the throne of grace and mercy. Therefore, as we have seen here in Ruth, only by receiving the kinsman redeemer are we able to be redeemed. The book of Ruth continues in chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. It states this, So she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize her. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring your, bring the garment you were wearing and hold it out. So she held it out, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. And then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it? How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Now Ruth listened to Boaz she stayed and you know it kind of made me wonder right away you know I wonder if she slept peacefully knowing Boaz was a man of his word or if she laid awake wondering praying to the Lord what is about to happen how is this event how is this book going to end right I don't think she prayed that exact part but how is this how is this going to happen you know she rose up before anyone could recognize her Boaz told her to let it not be known that she was here, and he asked her to hold out the garment that she had been wearing. He proceeded to fill it with barley, yet a bless yet again blessing her and Naomi with what he had been blessed with. It's uh, crazy to think about the first time she gathers, gleans, and gathers um, about a week worth of grain. This is about two weeks worth of grain so the bless, the blessing increased you know Ruth made her way back into the city back to Naomi and then Ruth gets asked this Naomi asks how did it go you know Ruth just holds out the proof right <laughs> holds out this this huge thing of grain these measures of barley and tells her mother-in-law that Boaz said well I can't go back empty-handed but this is what he's going to do. And maybe in this time, Ruth is showing your anxiety. She's filled with, you know, what is going to happen. But I love what Naomi has told her. Because you can see the change from the end of chapter 1 to even now. Let us wait. 
and see, for this matter will be settled today. See, Naomi is full of hope, for she knows that the Lord God is trustworthy and true, and He has not forsaken them. Waiting is not easy, right? Who likes waiting? Really? Oh, man. You, uh, you love going to the doctor, right? You love sitting in the waiting room, and then you like sitting in the small room waiting again? Oh, hey, cool. I don't, right? <laughs> You're waiting. It's hard. You know, we wait. We wait to see how the surgery went. We wait to see the baby be born. We wait to get home. We wait for a lot of things in this, in this world, be it packages, promises, people, promises to deal with the problems. But what we need to do is to wait upon the right person and to rest upon his promises. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Now the waiting room is not that bad, but it's when you get back there and then the nurse is done and you got like another 30 minutes before the doctor shows up. It's like, man, come on, dude. Like, it said 1030. <laughs> Verses 25 to 34. Jesus states this. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You are, not, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Should be my life verse right there. <laughs> and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive, it is, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles ask, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. This is my life verse right now. <laughs> do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Paraphrase, right? Let tomorrow worry about itself, right? Let it do the, the threading and the, oh, there's so much to do. Right, that first statement in this in this part of 
Jesus' sermon is a hard one. Do not be anxious about your life. Well, raise your hand if you don't have a worry, right? right? Everyone's got worries, right? We all have someone that we care about. We all have problems and pains. We all deal with the ups and downs of life. So the question is, is how do we deal with them? Do we sit on them? Do we hatch them? Or do we lean upon the Lord? Do we cast them upon Him? I love what Paul states in Philippians. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Right? Does it just command that? Don't do it. Thankfully, he keeps on going. But... In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which suppresses, surpasses, right? It just doesn't suppress, it surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it's always the question, right? Do we think about it? Do we worry about it? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Well, do we pray about it? Oh, why? (laughs) Why does that question come? Because it's a good question. Do we cast our cares upon Him who cares for us? In all our circumstances, do we seek to be about the will of the Lord and lean upon His understanding? Because even if we're looking at a situation, we might not understand it all the way either but to lean on His understanding and to seek Him in all of our ways and to guard our hearts and to fear evil, to turn away from it and to fear God. That we would seek Him in all of our circumstances and then we get this, right? We get the peace of God that guards our hearts, right? It's not, it's not to suppress it and, and oh, don't deal with these feelings. No, it's to surpass it. And guard our hearts. You know, the, the world we live in is full of the new and the fashionable and the famous. Let us not worry about these things, for life is more than these things. Sorry, Kardashians. Don't. If we look at the birds, we will see that they are cared for. If we look at the flowers of the field, we will see that they are cared for. Our Heavenly Father cares for these things that we probably don't even notice. Right? So we need to notice this. We need to know this. That our Heavenly Father knows all that we need. Let us trust Him. I think our our problem stems from this is a constant new marketing. Right? The constant new marketing of new. And the must-haves. Right? Who has this jingle stuck in their head? BK, have it your way. You rule. Anybody? No? Where'd Eliza go? (laughs) That jingle is stuck. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's there, man. It leads us away from what the Bible states. As the author of Hebrews says it, keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. 
For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now the first thing, right? Money is not the issue. Having money is not the issue. It is the love of money, of wealth, of fame, and of status that is the problem. We are called to be content with what we have. For the Lord has not, nor will ever, forsake those that trust in Him, that wait upon His promises. We are called, therefore, to do this, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's the big picture. We are to be about knowing the Lord and making Him known. We are about... We are to be about this by walking in His paths of righteousness for His righteousness, for His namesake, that as a workmanship, we have a reason, right? Some people have asked that. I've heard this question asked. It's like, once you're saved, why aren't you just plucked up, right? Like, woo! I mean, that'd be awesome. Right away, right? You know, you're in heaven with Jesus and you're... Harping away, thankfully. Maybe not. Oh, no. <laughs> no harps, no Tom and Jerry reality of what it looks like. It's glorious. We just read about the new heavens and the new earth. But we are a workmanship for a reason. Jesus states this back in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and pour, put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How cool is that? The purpose of the gathered saints, the purpose of the church, the purpose of the body of Christ here today is to point others to the Lord above that they may know Him, that they may have fellowship with the Almighty and give glory to Him. I love how John starts that off in 1 John chapter 1, is that he writes these words, he tells of the life made manifest to everyone so that they may have fellowship with us and with the Lord. And that that is a great joy. And my favorite part of the passage here is do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. That's pretty cool. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now let tomorrow worry about itself. Some nights we need to hear that, right? waiting for test results, waiting for a son or daughter to come home, waiting to see what will happen between Ruth and Boaz. Waiting is hard. But if we wait upon the right person and the right promises, we know this. The Lord God is mindful of us. And He is worth waiting for. And throughout the book of Ruth, we have seen that the Lord is moving throughout history to bring His Son, to bring His promised Messiah here to redeem humanity out of the pit. Now please turn to your Bibles with me one more time to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. I think it was last week that I had mentioned this verse uh, in closing and I wanted to take a little bit of time to look at it. 
because it's it's just a really cool passage. Now to Hebrews uh, 2, 14 through 18. It states this, Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiations, the propitiation for the sin of the people, for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And we see that Christ Jesus is the offspring that he came to bruise the adversary's head while he himself was bruised but recovered we see that he is the child born he is the son given he is the prince of peace that will one day bring peace upon earth and we will see it as a sign from the Lord himself that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. See now, right? It clicks, right? That's why there's a Christmas verse today. <laughs> Thankfully, it's a whole year-round verse that it's an amazing truth of who Christ is. God's Son partook of the flesh and blood. He was born that death would be destroyed by this that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death. Christ came to destroy death, to deliver those in slavery. Christ Jesus became our kinsman to redeem us, that he would be covering all of humanity's sins, the blameless Lamb of God who came, who was tempted as we are, so he could help us as we are tempted. The author of Hebrews speaks about this later in verse in chapter 4. He states this, Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. How amazing is that? Jesus understands everything Whatever situation or circumstance, he can help us in that. Then the author states this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Attempted in every way, yet without sin, Jesus can lead us through and help us when we are tempted for he is able to sympathize with sinners. He is able to offer mercy and grace in any time of need. And therefore, we confess him 
We confess that Jesus came in the flesh, that he is fully God and fully man. This amazing truth brings us redemption. For God has sent his son to seek and save that which was lost, us sinners. John agrees here. John states this in 1 John 4. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every flesh that every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God is a spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Isn't that an amazing, clarifying, bold line? We can see it through all of the isms, the religions throughout the world that Jesus is either a good teacher, a misunderstood man, Jesus was this or that, but Jesus wasn't from God. But we make this good confession that he is, right? That he is from God. And we hold to that for he is the one and only, right? The one and only that has passed through the heavens. He is the one and only high priest seated at the right hand of God, mediating for all of humanity that receives him. And that waiting upon him is a worthy cause. And as we wait, we can be this. We can be a workmanship through the ups and downs of life. So let us wait. But let us also work in our waiting, right? It's like a two-fold job. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Boaz. You can be like Boaz. You can sleep and work at the same time. And look, you can wait and work at the same time. There you go. So let us wait. Let us work. Let us point others to the Lamb who is slain for us all. A Lamb worthy of praise. For He has come to redeem us. For He is our kinsman. Now let's close in a word of prayer. (coughs) Father God, we thank you for today we thank you for this opportunity to just study your word to look at your marvelous grace that with outstretched arms you offer to the world that you are the covering you are the spotless lamb that has been slain for all of us Be with us as we go throughout our day, our days, that we will point and proclaim, that we would love upon people, that we would reach out to our community, our nation, and our world, and let them know to behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. Thank you for this time, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.